Before we get started on today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to tell you guys about Podcorn and thank them for sponsoring today's episode. Do you have a podcast? Have you ever considered starting a podcast? Podcorn's marketplace makes it easy and efficient to monetize your podcast and on your terms. I simply made an account on the Podcorn website and started browsing opportunities right away. I'm able to connect with sponsors of brands that I actually want to promote. I absolutely love being able to maintain control of the content in my podcast. Podcorn not only makes it easy to view and pitch to sponsorship opportunities, but they also control the compensation, making the entire experience risk-free. The Podcorn Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. You never give up any rights to your content and only connect with the brands that you choose. So head on over to my show notes and click the link for the Podcorn Marketplace and check them out. I mean, what do you have to lose? Nothing if you use Podcorn. Have you ever gone into one of those pop-up Halloween stores in October and seen those fake severed body parts or chunks of meat? Imagine opening a refrigerator and finding a whole bunch of those just piled together, chunks of meat. Maybe the homeowner just had a cow or hog butchered, or maybe, just maybe, it's something more sinister. Hi, true crime fans. You're tuning into Coffee, Murder, and Mystery, a true crime podcast where we discuss murder, mystery, and the supernatural. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Welcome back. I'm your host, Melissa Lancaster. Just to remind you guys, this episode is not appropriate for children. Charles Frederick Rogers was born on December 30th, 1921 in Houston, Texas. Chuck was very intelligent and eccentric. He enrolled in Texas A.M. University in 1942, but didn't last long there. He dropped out and enrolled in the University of Houston. He earned a bachelor's degree in nuclear physics. He joined the Navy and was a pilot during World War II. He then went on to work as a seismologist for Shell Oil. He would work there for nine years before quitting abruptly in 1957, for unknown reasons. People that knew Chuck would say that he wasn't just good at his job. They described Chuck as being talented at finding gas, oil, and gold. Chuck also had an interest in ham or amateur radio. This is the use of radio frequency spectrum for the exchange of messages, private recreation, experimentation, and emergency communication. Chuck also spoke seven languages, and it was rumored that he was a CIA agent. Chuck's parents, Fred and Edwina Rogers, seemed normal to neighbors. But in hindsight, it seems that their relationship with their son was strange. Neighbors didn't know Chuck lived with his parents, let alone that he was the actual owner of the house they all resided in. 
A maid that worked at the home stated that Chuck may not have been face-to-face with his mother in five years. He would slip notes under the door to communicate with his parents. He would leave the house before dawn every day and didn't return until after they went to bed. It seems it was a place to sleep for Chuck. I don't think anyone knows the exact reason for Chuck's actions, but it does seem that childhood abuse may have played a factor. It seems that Chuck may have endured years of mental abuse. Before we go on with the story, I wanted to tell you guys about this new podcast. Do you ever feel like you're getting too much true crime in your life? Sometimes I do, and I realize I need to listen to something a little different, something a little more wholesome. Let me tell you about this new podcast I found. It's called, Why Do We Say That? This podcast answers the questions of why we have certain sayings in our lives and their origins. Have you ever wondered why we say, dead is a doornail, or when pigs fly? I did, but I don't need more because I've been listening to Why Do We Say That? What I like most about this show is that it's hosted by a father-son duo who just love to have fun. They have this hilarious game they play called Word or Not a Word. The father, Scott, chooses words, and his son has to guess if it's a real word or not. Me and my son are all ears every time they play. So have you ever wondered why we say, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater? Or cat got your tongue? Head on over to why do we say that and find out. Now back to the Roger family. Fred, who was retired from real estate sales, and Edwina, who was also in sales, were said to have been con artists. It's believed by some that Fred was a bookie and regularly dealt in shady activity. It's thought that they conned their son Chuck out of a lot of his hard-earned money. There's no doubt that this behavior should have been a push for Chuck to leave the nest. I'm not sure, and no one really is, if Chuck stayed by his own free will or if they were holding him there somehow, maybe holding something over his head. Maybe he simply felt guilty leaving his elderly parents to fend for themselves. Or maybe they made him feel guilty. After all, they seemed pretty capable. It wasn't like Chuck was offering them companionship or any type of normal son-parent relationship. Somewhere along the line, the normal son-parent boundary line was drawn incorrectly. The line was drawn at the actual relationship as opposed to the cohabitating, and it turned into a relationship where he slipped notes under the door to avoid them. But something gave way on Father's Day, June 20th, 1965. Something terrible must have come to a head, but to this day, no one really knows what. But when Edwina's nephew, couldn't get a hold of the couple for three days straight. They called police for a welfare check on the couple. Police noticed that the door to the home was blocked by flower pots. Police moved them aside and felt that they should enter the home. Kicking down the door and entering, everything looked normal, except for a plate of food left sitting out on the table. During their search for the couple, one officer, by chance, opened the door to the icebox. 
and there were stacks of meat just sitting on the shelves. The meat wasn't wrapped, but it was washed and neatly stacked. His first thoughts were that the couple had purchased and butchered a hog, but when the officer was closing the door to the icebox, he glanced down to the vegetable bin, noticing a human head. The meat, lying in the fridge neatly stacked, was the torso and limbs of the dismembered couple. Both heads were found in the drawer. The autopsy determined the couple had been murdered and dismembered three days prior, on Father's Day. Fred had been murdered by multiple blows to the head with a claw hammer. His attacker had gouged out his eyes, and this is the creepy part to me, removed his genitalia. His wife Edwina had been beaten and shot, execution style. Their attacker had dismembered their bodies in the upstairs bathroom. Their organs had been removed, chopped up, and flushed down the toilet. They were found later in the sewer system. Police theorized the attacker must have had knowledge of anatomy. The house had been thoroughly cleaned and smelt like bleach with only a small amount of blood left behind for such a brutal crime. The thorough cleaning left the plate of food still lingering on the kitchen table seem more eerie, as if the murderer just killed the couple, thoroughly cleaned the house, casually ate, and just left. Police launched a search for Chuck, issuing a warrant for him as a material witness but Chuck was nowhere to be found. The little blood that was left behind did lead to Chuck's bedroom, where police found a keyhole saw with blood on it. I think it's safe to assume it was used to dismember the bodies. There are a few different theories in this case. One is detailed in a book written by Hugh and Martha Garnier called The Icebox Murders. The book is labeled as fact-based fiction. Hugh and Martha are accountants and true crime authors. The couple was obsessed with solving the case, and they feel that after a childhood and adulthood filled with abuse from his parents, Chuck snapped, killing them, cutting them up, refrigerating them, and fleeing to Honduras, where a dispute over wages would eventually get the best of Chuck. They believe he was murdered with a pickaxe. John R. Craig and Philip A. Rogers have a different theory. They documented the life of Charles Rogers in the book, The Man on the Grassy Knoll. They believe that Chuck was a CIA agent that impersonated Lee Harvey Oswald in Mexico City. They believe that Chuck was one of the two shooters involved in the assassination of JFK. They state that Chuck Rogers, Charles Harrelson, and Chauncey Holtz were the three tramps that were arrested in Dealey Plaza after the JFK assassination. If you're not familiar with Charles Harrelson and Chauncey Holtz, Charles Harrelson is the father of actors Brett and Woody Harrelson. He was a hitman who was convicted of the assassination of Judge John H. Wood Jr. Chauncey Holtz claimed that he was a CIA operative and that he was one of the three tramps. This theory states that Chuck's mother, Edwina, was onto him. She had been tracking his phone conversations and had learned that Chuck was in the CIA. 
So he murdered them both. Chuck was the only official suspect in this crime, and I haven't seen any theories that support him not committing the crime. But I really think that there should be some. Chuck went missing after his parents' murder and was never officially seen again. There were reported sightings of him, but none that I seen were actually confirmed. Sightings in missing persons cases are actually very common and more often than not turn out to be lookalikes, not the actual person. If Chuck had a talent for locating oil and gold, is it possible that somebody thought that this was valuable? Murdering his parents carefully and kidnapping him for this talent? No one knows if Chuck was a member of the CIA and some have claimed to have debunked this theory but maintain that even if he wasn't a member of the CIA, he did have CIA connections. And if this were true, could Chuck have been taken because of these affiliations? And if Chuck's father was really a bookie and involved in illegal things, what if a bad business deal led to their murder and Chuck's disappearance and probably death? Some believe Chuck planned for the murder of his parents for years. But why not just leave? I mean, Chuck was an adult, and an intelligent adult at that, with the capability to make a lot of money. He didn't need his parents. He chose to stay with them, for whatever reason, that we will never know. The house the murders occurred in remained empty and was torn down in 1972. And in 2000, condos were built on the lot in its place. In 1975, Chuck was declared dead by a judge in Houston so that his estate could be probated. The murders are considered unsolved to this day, and unless the body of Chuck Rogers is recovered, they will most likely stay that way. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Coffee, Murder, and Mystery. We're going to drop a bonus episode for you guys this week detailing how mine and Mandy's haunted tour of the old abandoned Eloise Asylum went, and you won't want to miss it. Stay safe, everyone, and remember, evil people are everywhere. Thanks for tuning in to Coffee, Murder, and Mystery. You can find us on the web at www.coffeemurderandmystery.com. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we also have a YouTube channel. All references for today's podcast are available in our show notes. If you enjoyed our show, please consider giving us an Apple Podcast five-star rating, sharing our show with your friends, and leaving a review. This helps us by allowing more people to find our show. If you would like to support our show with a financial contribution, please consider joining our Patreon. Joining our Patreon at the $5 level will give you a bonus episode on the second week of the month, as well as a second bonus episode on the fourth week of the month. Or go to buymeacoffee.com for a one-time contribution. We appreciate all of our listeners. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. Thank you so much for listening. The information provided in this podcast is solely of our opinion and based upon research that we have conducted via the internet. If you feel that we have represented something inaccurately or unfairly, you can send us an email at coffeemurdermystery at gmail.com. Thanks for your support.